Welcome to the Root of the Cause radio show. I'm your host, Dove, and today I'm going to be doing a solo episode. Now, I actually interviewed Dr. Albert Mensa, who in my opinion is one of the leading experts on methylation. Now, this is a guy who's been in the game many years prior to the word methylation becoming part of the common functional medicine vernacular. And he actually mentored under Dr. William Walsh, who's been doing groundbreaking work on methylation in the mental health sphere decades before MTHFR became a trendy buzz term and way before methylation was at all even talked about. So Dr. Mensa is really part of this lineage of the great pioneers in the field of methylation research, right? Uh, And that lineage even goes back before Dr. Walsh and his mentors. And my interview with him makes that abundantly obvious because his knowledge in this area really knows no bounds. But the reason I decided to do a solo episode first prior to releasing the episodes with Dr. Mensa was to provide some foundational information so that when you guys do listen to my interview, it'll it'll make more sense. Now, Despite my interview being so long that I made it into th- a, actually a three-part series, we didn't quite have the time to break down some of the fundamentals first prior to taking a deep dive into the more technical elements. So I thought I would do this solo episode for you guys in hopes that it'll enhance the listening experience when you do hear Dr. Mensa share with us his vast wisdom on all things methylation and mental health. Now, if you like what you hear on today's episode and want to support the podcast, please take a moment to leave a five-star review. If you want to be notified when new episodes are live and want to further support me, just hit the plus sign at the top right of your screen to follow the show. And now for the disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Root of the Cause podcast is solely informational in nature So please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatments that we discuss on the show. Okay, so right off the bat, I want to break down the basics of SSRIs. And also, just so you know, I provided some visual aids that I linked and labeled in the show notes to help you guys follow along. Now, in my talk with Dr. Mensa, we speak extensively about this class of drug, SSRIs. But I want you guys to get the basics down so that when you hear us talk about it, it'll make more sense. So SSRI stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. Now, what the heck does that mean? Okay, so first off, for the physiologists and pharmacists out there who are listening, I realize what I'm about to share is a very simplified version of how SSRIs work, but for the sake of time, I'm going to give the Cliff Notes version or else this would end up being a many hours long episode. And it would also kind of get away from the point of the episode, which is to provide some basic concepts to help everyone better understand and appreciate my interview with Dr. Mensa that I'll be releasing next week. Okay, so SSRIs are pharmaceutical medications that are thought to work by increasing serotonin in the synapse in the brain. So if you look at the picture in the show notes, you'll see on the top, there's a presynaptic neuron, and on the bottom is where you'll see the postsynaptic neuron. And the neurons communicate with each other via the synapse, which is the space between neurons. Now, serotonin is located in these vesicles, in the presynaptic neuron. Now, serotonin ultimately gets released into the synapse, which again is the space between the pre and the postsynaptic neuron, So once the serotonin is in that space between neurons, the synapse, it then has a chance to bind 
to the serotonin receptors that are located on the postsynaptic neuron. Now, this sounds kind of complicated, but if you're looking at the photo in the show notes, you'll see it's not as complicated as it sounds. Okay, so one serotonin binds to those receptors, theory is that that very action will then lead to a mood enhancement and ultimately enables, theoretically, the mitigation of a depressive state to occur. Now, some of that serotonin can and will get reabsorbed back into the presynaptic neuron where it originally came from by what are called serotonin reuptake transporters. And that action is called reuptake. So basically, the more serotonin that gets reuptaken back into the presynaptic neuron, the less serotonin is able to bind to the postsynaptic neuron where it's able to theoretically elicit a positive effect on one's mood. And how robust that the reuptake is greatly differs from person to person. And according to Dr. Mensa, one's methyl status greatly impacts that. So to recap, SSRIs selectively, right, because it's only serotonin, selectively blocks serotonin, not dopamine, not norepinephrine, uh, blocks serotonin from being reuptaken back into the presynaptic neuron. And by doing so, it then enables the serotonin that would otherwise sort of vanish, uh, kind of vanish it away back into the presynaptic neuron to instead flood the synapse with usable serotonin primed and ready to bind to the postsynaptic receptors and theoretically work their magic. And it's methylation or the lack thereof that impacts all this. Now, in my talk with Dr. Mensa, we mentioned homocysteine. Now, what is homocysteine? Okay, so homocysteine is made naturally in the body by a few biochemical steps. So if you click on the pathway chart in the show notes, you'll see that methionine, which is an amino acid that you get from the diet, particularly from things like muscle meat, for example, gets broken down by the MAT enzyme with ATP, magnesium, and potassium as cofactors. And really think of a cofactor as an enzyme activator, if you will. And when that happens, methionine, the amino acid methionine, then becomes something known as acetylmethionine and or SAM. And really, think of a cofactor as basically a nutrient or molecule that enables the function of an enzyme. And think of an enzyme as something that basically breaks things down. And just so you know, we get into exactly what this critical molecule, S-acetylmethionine, or as a supplement, it's called SAMI, is, what effects it could have on the body, who would be served well taking it possibly, who should not be taking it, and why, and some of the ways to determine all of this objectively. But I'm not going to get into that now in this particular episode. You'll have to wait to hear the awesomeness of Dr. Mensa dropping some knowledge in the following week's episode. So please stay tuned for that. Okay, so back to methionine, breaking down into acetylmethionine. So as I said before, MAT is the enzyme that breaks down methionine with the help of ATP, magnesium, and potassium. And since ATP, or adenosine triphosphate, is the body's main energy currency, if you're low in energy and low in magnesium potassium, your ability to break down methionine into acetylmethionine, the body's main methyl donor, and arguably the most critical molecule regarding methylation, will be hindered. 
So once it ultimately does become SAM or acetylmethionine, the very thing that other methylators are low in, it gets converted to the precursor to homocysteine called acetyl homocysteine or SAW. And then from SAW, um, ends, it enzymatically gets broken down into homocysteine. So that's how homocysteine is made. Um, homocysteine then could get broken down a few ways, but one way is to convert right back into methionine, and then the cycle starts all over again. So really, uh, homocysteine isn't bad per se, although it often gets demonized. You'll just want to make sure it gets properly broken down, right? So now too much homocysteine is thought to have the potential to lead to inflammation of the blood vessels, particularly in the heart. So you definitely don't want high levels of homocysteine, even though some amount is needed. Now, we also talk about the SAM to SAW ratio, right? That would be S-adenylmethionine to S-adenylhomocysteine ratio, but I'm just going to refer to it as the SAM to SAW ratio. Now, I mentioned that the body's main methyl donor is SAM, S-adenylmethionine, uh, and undermethylators, by definition, are low in SAM, and Dr. Mensa breaks this down in my episode with him. So measuring the levels of SAM as well as the levels of the very molecule it converts to, which is SAW, will then provide some insight into how well or unwell you're able to make SAM and the likely reason or possibilities as to why it may be low or possibly even high. Okay, so I now want to touch upon folate. Now, we talk a bit about folate in my series with Dr. Mensa, and we talk a lot about the misunderstanding surrounding folate and you know some of the counterintuitive concepts, right? So I want to now just give a brief primer so that when you guys do tune into that series and we talk about folate, that it'll just make a lot more sense to you. So now, according to Dr. Mensa, as counterintuitive as this may sound, folate actually strips you of methyl at the level of DNA. And when he says DNA, he means inside the nucleus of the cell where all the instructions are made. But interestingly enough, he mentions how folate works differently outside the nucleus of the cell. There, it actually gives methyl to the system. Right? So folate essentially has really a duality of function. In one area, it's a methyl donor. But in the nucleus, the body's command center in a way where we're trying to affect change, folate removes methyl. So what does this mean? Now, Dr. Mensa is going to explain in greater detail in the show coming up, but basically one main function of the nucleus is to control gene expression and mediate the replication of DNA, which is pretty critical stuff and massively impactful to our biology and our potential for wellness and vitality. Now, I said before, inside the cell, in the actual cytoplasm, which is that thick kind of solution that fills each cell, folate adds methyl, right? But in the nucleus of a cell, however, it strips that DNA of methyl. So when you tune into the episode, you'll hear Dr. Mensa break this down some more, but just know he'll be coming back again, and we're going to dedicate a good chunk of time of this particular area, since it's so conflicting, counterintuitive, and really flies in the face of 
conventional, unconventional thought, meaning the standard dogma in the unconventional world pretty much universally is that folate is to be given when someone is lacking methyl. And Dr. Mensa would say otherwise, so please stay tuned for that coming up soon. Now, in my chat with Dr. Mensa, we use the term selective serotonin reuptake enhancer, right? So, you know, I told you guys about the inhibitors, but we also talk about selective serotonin reuptake enhancers, which would have the opposite effect of an SSRI medication, meaning it enhances serotonin being reabsorbed back into the presynaptic neuron where it can't actually get put into action. And Dr. Mensa feels folate and folic acid to have that very effect on the brain, while SAMe having the opposite effect and potentially aiding in the blocking of reuptake and helping serotonin to stay in the synapse to enable it to do its thing. And again, we'll be getting into the weeds with all that in my three-part series with Dr. Mensa. So please stay tuned for that. Now, we also mentioned the term polymorphism. Now, think of a gene polymorphism as sort of a genetic hiccup leading to an underactive or sometimes even an overactive enzyme that these genes encode for. And as I mentioned earlier, enzymes break things down. So if you have a gene polymorphism, aka a SNP, even if you have those nutrient cofactors, or you know, you could think of them as uh, enzyme activators, if they're fully on board, you'll still have a reduced or sometimes even enhanced potential for those enzymes to work, which can have some downstream effects. Now, we also talk about the amino acid glycine, which can be obtained from the diet in high amounts from bone broth in particular. And we go into the theories of why some feel glycine helps to balance methionine levels. So if you look at the pathway chart, you'll see how glycine serves as a cofactor for an enzyme that helps break down SAM into a molecule called sarcosine. And in doing so, it prevents it from going to saw while still helping to break down SAM levels. And since in theory, high methionine intake can in some people lead to higher than needed SAM levels, the thought is that glycine helps to balance that by buffering excess methyl since SAM is the main methyl donor of the body. And you'll be interested, however, to know that Dr. Mensa pokes a ton of holes in this theory. So stay tuned for him dropping some serious knowledge bombs about that in my coming episodes with Dr. Mensa. So that about does it for my solo episode that I made as a primer slash introduction to the series that's coming up with Dr. Mensa. So again, this was meant to be basically a foundation of some of the topics I'll be discussing with Dr. Mensa. Now, we cover way more than the topics on this episode does, but I chose these particular topics because these are the few that I felt some listeners, some may not have enough of a foundation to fully appreciate the discussion Dr. Mensa and I have. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this solo episode. Next week will be the release of part one of my three-part series with Dr. Mensa. So until then, take care, everyone. This podcast for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast disclaims responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties for guests' qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein.
If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.